Welcome to the Nate Show. This is the Nate Show podcast. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate that. Feel free to follow along on social media at Nate Show 423 on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where there you can keep track of new podcast episodes, new video projects, and upcoming stand-up comedy events. The Nate Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, and pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. Before I get into this interview with uh, my good friend Mandy Wild, I just wanted to make a couple quick announcements. One, next Friday, May 25th at the Main Street theater downtown johnson city uh, myself mandy and a few others will be doing a comedy night doing some stand-up comedy so please come and check that out uh, there's also some other stuff in the works i know july 5th i'll be in oak ridge tennessee more details coming on that pretty soon and just as a heads up i wanted to say before i kick this interview off and, and play the audio from it that there is a little bit of adult language featured so any children and i know my mom <laughs> listens to the show every now and then just kind of wanted to give a heads up and just be mindful of that uh, before we get going but here we go all right, we are taking a walk on the wild side today. I'm sitting here in the kitchen with Mandy Wild. Say hello, Mandy. Hi. And um, I've met Mandy earlier this year um, when I first began my semi-stand-up comedy career. Um, it was her 30th birthday. She went on stage, but I've, enough me talking. I'll let her introduce herself real quick, so go ahead. Hi, I'm Mandy Wild, like you said. And um, I've been doing stand-up comedy for, I guess, okay, for about two or three years cons like consistently um, before that I started doing stand-up in high school because my drama teacher would just listen to me talk and said that I had a definite knack for improv and stand-up on stage so I started doing it and as a teenager people thought my material was funny so I thought hell if people are gonna laugh at me when I'm 16 I'm sure they'll laugh at me forever so it's been true so far it's a it's kind of a small world because there's two different things that well, there's a lot of things that led to me doing stand-up and leading me to that building that night but when I was in high school ironically I was friends with um, kind of our boss not really our boss but CJ who we yeah. work with um, CJ's hilarious yeah CJ's great and he always I never knew if I was funny I always felt like I was funny but CJ always laughed at my jokes and if you're ever around him he might tell you this but there was one night when we were over what we call the apartment over in Evergreen. A bunch of us would just hang out, spend the night there all the time. And it was me and him and Caitlin McBride downstairs. And it was like 6 a.m. And I had been doing basically sit-down comedy, just like on the couch talking while they were trying to sleep like all night long. <laughs> and like Caitlin had passed out probably like 3 a.m. But CJ stayed up like however late it was and was still laughing at my jokes even that late in the night. So I always felt like CJ was a good audience. And then met you and then we all ended up working together so every now and yeah, then i'll still funny. venture up in the kitchen just to tell cj a joke and make him laugh just to whatever so yeah cj's cj's a fantastic audience he la the way he laughs oh makes you, laugh. makes you think that you were just like the <laughs> funniest motherfucker alive i did like, I, I felt like jerry seinfeld like, oh yeah absolutely I not i feel like paula poundstone anytime i'm talking to cj he's just like always ready with a smile or a laugh he's a great guy but yeah. I think he has a good sense of humor. I think the problem is, is that not everyone has as good of a sense of humor as him. Exactly. And I, there's a disclaimer at the beginning of this podcast that says prepare yourself for some adult language. So don't, you don't have to worry. You didn't just now, but you don't have to worry about bleeping yourself out or anything. Okay, just feel good. free to say whatever. My mom can deal with it. She's listening. Oh. She'll get over. I hate mom. Yeah, she's, uh, you'll meet her here at the roast here in a few weeks. So. I'm sure. I assume that by your age, she herself is a grown woman. Yeah. So. She's, she's got a great... She doesn't know it, I don't think. Uh, so we were talking about her. She's probably listening to this. But, like, 
she has a great sense of humor, but I don't think she's fully aware of it. Mm-hmm. Like, she'll make subtle references and jokes that I don't even think that she understands what she just did, and I'll laugh, and then she'll go, what? Like, she doesn't even know that what she just said was funny. That was funny. Mom, just... it was good delivery. That was funny. Some people are like that. Some people just, like, have hilarious puns and good connections, and they're just talking. They're not trying to be funny. I don't know. I doubt she remembers this, but I was in the car with her and my mamaw once. This was a few years ago. And my mamaw was talking about NCIS uh, New Orleans. Yeah. Scott Bakula. Yeah. He used to be on Quantum Leap or whatever. And who was the Captain uh, Archer on Enterprise. Yeah. And so, I forgot about that. Yep. We're going to talk about that later. Love um, <laughs> so, my mamaw's trying to explain um, to my mom why she, she should watch this show and who Scott Bakula is. My mom's like, who? And my mamaw says, you know, Scott Bakula. And my mom goes, I'm not really into vampires. <laughs> <laughs> it just said it so dry like that, but kind of like peeked in like the back seat where I was sitting to see if I got it. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I got it. That was funny. That's hilarious. So it's there. The comedy's there. And growing up, my dad was always into dumb humor. Like he's the one that got me into, well, first of all, he developed my love of like old comedies, Blues Brothers, mm. uh, Monty Python movies, like stuff like that. So if you look at my favorite movies list it's filled with just 70s and 80s and we've talked about that here yeah. at the house before but yeah 70s and 80s humor is my favorite movie genre my, my favorite yeah. movie in the entire world is joe versus the volcano which yeah. is uh pretty big tom hanks before he did big yeah, and he got did the big. burbs and yeah the burbs yeah. oh my god money, money pit. pit yeah yeah, yeah, see, yeah. I know all that old Tom Hanks. Oh yeah, old Tom Hanks. I love old Bill Murray too, like pre Caddyshack yeah. Bill Murray type stuff. It's good. It's good. And the confluence of that, and whenever I was in elementary and middle school, like home during the summer, um, E, the channel E would always play old Saturday Night Lives from like the first five seasons, the and even some of the Eddie Murphy seasons too. So I would get, I got into old SNL back then. So that's how I ended up following like. Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd, like I watch Beverly Hills Cop, Trading Places, all you, that stuff. So. Do you know the story of how Saturday Night Live got started? I don't know exactly how it got started, no. So, the guy who made National Lampoon, I can't remember his name, but the guy who made all those movies and stuff. So that started as a school newspaper at Harvard, and it was called the Harvard Lampoon. And it was just a hilarious newspaper. And then they graduated Harvard, and they started the National Lampoon, and it was like Mad Magazine before yeah. Mad Magazine. And they got hate mail and sued and all this other stuff, but it was like the most popular, hilarious thing in the world. And they just completely took off, and they started making the movies. Um, the guy who started it only made two movies, and the first movie was Animal House, which is yeah. one of the most Belushi, successful, yeah. yeah, one of the most successful movies that ever was. Chevy Chase, Jim Belushi, all those guys worked with them on the paper. So they're making these movies, they're making the paper, and the guy got uh, approached to make a National Lampoon TV show, and he didn't think that it was going to be all that successful. So Chevy Chase and all them got approached by other people, and that turned into Saturday Night Live. That created a bitter rift. Didn't Aykroyd and some of them do some work with Second City? I think so. Comedy for a bit before SNL started. I feel like I remember that's how a lot of those guys linked up because yeah, you always see John Candy show up in Aykroyd yes. movies and stuff. Oh, like John, that. Can- John Candy. Like in Blues Brothers, he's the police chief or whatever. Yeah, but the uh, the 
original running cast from Saturday Night Live was almost the original running cast of what was supposed to be the National Lampoon TV show, but since that guy rejected it, they just made it anyways, and he felt super betrayed by Chevy because they'd been, like, friends forever. And then they made Caddyshack, and literally, that gopher, that's everyone's favorite part of Caddyshack, is why the guy who made that killed himself. Yikes. Yeah, well, he said he didn't want to be a failure, and he didn't think Caddyshack would be a success. It turned out to be one of the most successful movies to ever be made, and he killed himself before it was released. That's kind of dark. It is a little bit dark, but... It's a wild and crazy guy. It's funny, because I, I don't always think of Caddyshack as like an SNL movie, but I guess I should, with it being Bill Murray and Chevy Chase. But well, Chevy Chase was only there that one season. Well, um... National, uh, no, Caddyshack is uh, still a National Lampoon movie. Right. It's but the the SNL movies like started to come a bit later. And National Lampoon with Chevy Chase and stuff that doesn't even have anything to do with the original guy. I was gonna say because he yeah they did Fletch and Fletch is still one of my favorite comedies. Oh, Fletch too. is great. Planes, his, trains, automobiles. His damn dream sequence where he plays for the Lakers and has the afro is like just perfect. Stupid Chevy Chase. But I love the first season of SNL. I love his um, impression of Gerald Ford, clumsy Gerald Ford, falling mm-hmm. all the time, hitting his head on stuff like my neck. I just love physical comedy. But so that yeah, that helped a lot growing up watching um, SNL and all these old comedies. And for a long time, I wanted to do this, whether it was podcasts or something, talking. I just always I love to talk, and which is funny because when I'm at work, you know, we work together. I want people. Other than you and Marcy and a few others, just to leave me alone yeah. for the most part. <laughs> just let me do the dishes. But if you or Marcy come back or whoever, like I'll usually have a conversation. But yeah, like I do, I do love to talk and everything. And a lot of different stuff in my life led to just basically a New Year's resolution. Where I was like, yeah, I'm gonna do stand up because I was watching all these um, documentaries and I can't remember the name of it, but there's one. I think it's on Hulu that's just about comedians and some of them are really famous and some of them aren't. And that's yeah. kind of the point is that. They've been doing it like 20 years and still haven't, you know, broken through broken yet. Big. But I always thought, you know, I always watch it. And again, Seinfeld talks about that. He goes, most people, when they see comedy, they go, you know, I could do that. If I really wanted to, I could probably do it. But no, most of the population doesn't either doesn't try or they try it once or twice and they get booed off stage and they go, oh, shit, I'm not doing that ever again. Right. But I thought the Willow Tree in downtown Johnson City, I thought would be kind of a safe place. I knew it was open mic and I knew that... At least no one's going to boo you. Yeah, I felt like I'd been a couple times and even uh, acts, whether they were music or poetry or whatever, that I thought were terrible, still got claps from the audience. I was like, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a nice, safe start. Yeah, a nice environment. But even, and I think I've told you this before, but right before I went up, I was there with a friend and I won't betray his or her confidence, but that person was like checking you out. Because you were, like, not that you're not always, but you were especially dolled up for your birthday. Yeah, you had it was the my sash 30th and birthday. you had everything, and this person was going, oh, okay, whatever. So, who was that? And then you ended up going up and doing comedy, and you were really funny. And then that gave me confidence to go up. Because I almost just left. I'd signed up, but I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. Like, we were talking about before this. Yeah. Like, People don't want to hear this. And so I got up and I got up and did it. And then you messaged me, like, a week or so later. Yeah. And told me about different opportunities, and they kind of led to where we are now. So it's a small world. Yeah, now Nate got on stage, and we actually, it was really funny, had some, not the exact same material, but we were talking <laughs> about some of the same stuff. Like, because Nate's turning 30 this year, too. He was talking about they're turning 30 and aging, and I was talking about turning 30 and aging. And then 
obscure as it is, we both have a thing about how the shower is terrifying. terrifying. That's what I opened with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had a thing where I was like, you know, I've learned some hard truths, and we can all be honest with each other about this. Just look inside yourself, and we can all say that being in the shower is a horrifying experience of no it, safety. It's scarier than any trap that's in the Saw movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a Saw trap. That was yeah. yours. And I was sitting there talking to Elf, my, my best friend Elf, who was there with me, and I was like... Not Will Ferrell, but... Yeah, no. <laughs> um, I, I actually get her that kind of stuff every year for Christmas, just because it's funny. I'm sort of running out of And merch. also not Alf. Yeah, no, no, she doesn't eat cats. Don't eat the cat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or film. Doesn't like film, doesn't like cats. Neither one. Um... But I was telling Elf, I was like, this guy's just straight up biting my material. How, what, uh. And then I was like, there is no one that has a monopoly on turning 30 and taking a shower. But damn, how did we end up with such similar stuff? And then I was like, this guy's funny as hell. Damn it. <laughs> did you have anything about, I don't think you did, anything about old people? Right? I, I did think, not I don't have, know if I was even doing that yet. I and I don't think I he had anything about the old people. Um, but I, don't, I, I didn't do anything about, what was my, my set? I was turning 30. And I was just as good as Superman. I was doing better than Superman because for Superman to be in peak condition, he has to be on an entirely different planet. And all I need to do is start drinking water. So I've got, like, net gain on Superman already. And then I think I told a story about my mom. Do you know the story about my mom with the movie theater where she has the purse and she's going to beat up the gangsters? Yeah, vaguely remember. Yeah. yeah. I, I now have in my possession the purse. Okay. The purse itself that my mom used to almost beat up gangsters in a movie theater. I now own it. I'm probably going to use it as a prop next time I tell that story on stage. Um, but yeah, no, I thought Nate was uh, super funny at Willow Tree. And then my hairdresser, of all people, um, is op- was opening a bar uh, downtown and it, was, it had a stage and she was talking about stuff. And I mentioned that if she ever wanted to do a comedy night, here I am, would be happy to. Um, and uh, whenever it came around to it, I went and auditioned, and I got the part. My friend Marcy came and auditioned, because Marcy uh, was just really funny. I had never seen her do stand-up, but I listened to Marcy talk all the time, and she's just hilarious, and I thought, why the hell not? And then um, I was trying to think of other people, and thought of Nate, because he was super funny on his set. Uh, I've seen a lot of people do stand-up at the Willow Tree, and not everyone is funny. A lot of people just get up there and talk about stuff, and they think that talking is funny, but talking's not funny. Um, Uh, it's not, it's not funny, nor is it amusing (laughs) to be a good storyteller. You have to be able to tell a story. Um, but Nate was actually really amusing. Uh, so I ended up sending him a message and he went and tried out and, uh, got the part too. Now we've just been a little comedy group ever since. To what you said though, and I appreciate you saying all that. What, um, that one night we were there, I won't name any names again. I don't want to do that. But somebody went up talking about thinking that they're funny and entertaining and you're supposed to only have like 10, 15 minutes. Yes. Yeah, if it's a busy night, 10, because you got a lot of people sign up. And this was a busy night, but for some reason they let this person go like 20. Yeah, forever. And when they were done, we were all just like, what the hell? Like, there was no construct to the story. The, the... I don't remember what the beginning of the story was, but I do know it didn't match the end. <laughs> I think the general message, and if they're listening, I'm sorry, but the general message was supposed to be about. Um, acceptance. Yeah. Which it kind of tied to that, but it became a personal story about basically a field trip. Yes. And meeting new people in a city that you're not familiar with. Yeah, which they is, were accepting, but it, none of it really went together. Yeah, it didn't really tie well together. And there was like, there was like five minutes at the beginning and five minutes at the end, but the ten minutes in the middle was basically talking about themselves and how much people love them everywhere they go, 
the fuck? <laughs> not everywhere. Not everywhere. Not Sorry. not not the willow tree after you pass your ten minute. Oh, mark. and this person like one of the sweetest people. Oh, that she's I've ever wonderful, met. wonderful. Yeah. However, I actually went to school with this person. Like, know them pretty well, and some of their family. Like, great person. I, mean, I love a lot of people, but they can also shut the hell up at some point. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know. And I know people say that about me, so like it's fine. Like I, I, I get it, but. Um, yeah, it's just kind of funny how that all went together. And I know that it, it sounds corny, but I tell people all the time I believe in, like, you get what you expect and you get what you talk about. You you speak your life into existence. And so I kept telling people leading up to, you know, you messaging me and us doing comedy shows. I was like, this is going to work out. Like, I'm going to be a comedian. It's going to be funny. It's going to be great. And I'm going to get opportunities. I don't know how, but I'm just going to focus on what I do and then the rest will sort of sort itself out. And it, it has so far. Yeah. I'm excited about that. It has worked out. I really like doing the comedy nights at the theater. Yeah. We get, like, not, I wouldn't say, like, packed houses, but we do get full houses. Yeah. People come, they laugh. Every seat's full except for, like, it's kind of the opposite of the way it should be because it's, like, every seat's full except for the front row. Yeah. Like, the people are scared that, like, they're going to get roasted or they yeah, just don't want to sit up front. Like, people I are worried get about it. getting heckled. And it's like, the only person I've ever heckled while I was on stage was my own <laughs> husband. You know? <laughs> so it's like, you guys but, are safe. The hardest I've ever laughed was actually two empty seats, and you probably know what I'm talking about, getting heckled, when Dimitri Martin started, the, yep. uh, not his first album, but his second one, I forget what it's called, but so I want to thank those two people for not showing up. Like, you couldn't have been any closer and not showing up. Right. And then you hear someone drop a glass in the background, and you go, well, that guy managed to make it. <laughs> that guy got here. <laughs> no, Dimitri Martin, uh, I can only aspire to be as funny as Dimitri Martin. There's a level of intelligence that he has. Not just because he went to law school and is already smart, yeah, but just no. the way he processes life and comedy is just ridiculous. Well, that's why I love his joke so much, is that, like, he can tell me a story about, like, going to, like, buy milk or something, and the way he tells me the story about buying milk is, like, one of the funniest yeah. things. You Most think he was, of like, that If I Special wasn't particularly funny by comedy standards, but just him telling those stories, like you said, and then tying it all together was just, like, you still end up laughing at a lot of stuff that he says. Yep. I like whenever uh, on his Comedy Central special, I think his first one, uh, at the very end he breaks out a guitar and he just starts singing and there's yeah. like this background and it's not particularly funny like of itself, but it is still really funny at the same time. And I love how he uses visual humor, I love his notebook, I love yeah. his notepad. And he thinks of the silliest stuff like a leather a leather jacket is cool, leather vest not no. cool, what's cool is leather sleeves, that's what's cool. <laughs> And it's like, how would you even think of that? That's ridiculous. Well, he's, that first album where he talks about a vest or, you know, all about protection. You know, bulletproof vest protects you from getting shot. And he talks about whatever the other vest. And goes, and the sweater vest protects you from pretty girls. Fucking <laughs> 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 Dimitri. So, yeah, Dimitri was somebody, I discovered him, I think my senior year of high school. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know him, I just, I saw his album sitting there at Best Buy, and for some reason I just bought it, not really knowing anything about him, and listened to it, and enjoyed it, and really got into him. He's did a, I think he did a fundraiser show for Comedy Central, it was him and a bunch of people, and they had like this big, almost looked like icicles hanging from the ceiling, and like, cause you said he uses his environment, and he said, you know, every, I wasn't going to do the show, but... I convinced him to let me have giant gay icicles behind me, so <laughs> I think we're good now. Yeah. Right? Nice. He's so dry and hilarious. That's why he's so good. It's his delivery. Delivery is very important when it comes to comedy. It is know? important. Like, you can just say a joke, but, like, unless you pause correctly and put the right inflection on something, you know, 
and it's just not going to work. I, no one likes the person that tells you that they're good at something. I'm not necessarily saying that I'm good at that, mm. but I had a moment yesterday where I was good at that. I was at Walgreens, and I was telling the girl that was checking me out because she was having trouble scanning the candy that I was buying. And no matter where I go, I always have trouble. Something won't scan. If I get an energy drink from a gas station, it almost never scans. So I was just telling her that. I was saying, you know, it doesn't matter where I go, something doesn't scan. She goes, oh, it happens, whatever. And because it was with these chocolate-covered peanuts. And I said, maybe that's my cue to, you know, not eat candy anymore. (laughs) Just the way that I said it like that, she busted out laughing. And I was like, it wasn't funny. It wasn't a joke at all. She probably stopped eating candy. (laughs) Nope. That's always the fun thing, too. And I... I've learned some of that at Willow Tree and I need to get back into practice. It's just because that room's very hard for comedy just because they're not there to laugh. Yeah, they're not. They, they still have a good time, but they're there for the music good time, not the comedy good time. Yeah, exactly. So to be able to sort of key in on things that they can relate to and just time it to where they go, okay, I get that. Like you with the shower thing that connected with you. And yeah, exactly. That was my goal with the L set was just they may not laugh at a single thing but they're at least going to be like okay yeah I get that it's like when you see a meme and you go oh yeah same yeah same same I'm just a walking meme (laughs) at this point I think we all just become walking memes that's how I process everything it's like it's a meme like how can I turn this into something that would be funny on the internet so well I mean we're kind of going backwards whenever it comes to like language progression right because we like First, it was, like, pictographs and stuff like that, and then it was, like, we use symbols and numbers and letters and stuff like that, and now we're just going back to pictographs and stuff. Like, I have my, my phone, uh, my phone's camera roll is just hundreds of reaction pictures for every single feeling yeah. that you could possibly feel, so whenever someone, like, posts something or says something and I don't have the words to articulate it, I'll just put, like, Robert Downey Jr. yawning. You know, and it's like totally everyone understands exactly what I mean. That's why I like doing the stuff people can relate to because I understand that people's attention span, like most people are already not paying attention to what we're talking right, about. Right, it's already. Because it's me and I get it. And I've been, we've been talking over 10 minutes. I was like, okay, what's, you know, they're, they're back to Facebook complaining yeah, about Game exactly. of Thrones. Like, anyway, so, <laughs> but I try to capture a moment so that you're there with me in that moment. So the drive-through stuff that I talk about, the anxiety of, in the talk about drive-through yep. and do it. So like for that two minutes that I'm talking about that, you're with me in the drive-through. And you're like, oh, I relate to that. And then, yeah, because I know that most people's attention span. I can't do like a long, and I know my favorite comedian growing up was Bill Cosby. Yeah. We've talked about that. And I know he's in jail for bad things and yeah, whatever. Yeah, persona non grata now. But even if he wasn't, his form of comedy probably wouldn't work today. These long-form stories of just nothing basically yeah. but the way he tells it's so funny but at a certain point you go okay where's this going like right what's the point I, of this? I, let's move it along here all right that seems like a good place to stop uh for this week uh, part two make sure you tune in to hear part two tomorrow the interview will go much longer tomorrow will also be um surprise ambushed by a special guest but one that i thought <laughs> added a lot to the proceedings not that they weren't already great but just added a whole new uh, energetic dynamic so make sure you tune in tomorrow listen to that but uh thanks again for tuning into the nate show podcast you could have been anywhere in the world but you're here with me and i appreciate that and hope to have you back tomorrow but if not i get it